Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life adult podcast. I'm Lynn Pryor. Chris Johnson is my co-host, and we are glad that you joined both of us for this podcast. So, Chris, say hello. Hello. <laughs> that was well, that was great. Joining Chris <laughs> and I, <laughs> joining Chris and I is Jennifer Denning. Uh, Jennifer, thank you for being a part of this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And uh, if you weren't with us a few weeks ago when Jenny was with us, let me just bring you up to speed. Uh, Jenny is with us because she wrote this study on Elijah living, living outside the comfort zone. Uh, Jenny is, uh, well, she's been a writer for what, 30 something years, uh, pastor's wife. Something like that. Right. And you, now you, you lead a team that does software development, uh, correct? Right there in, the, you're in North Carolina? Uh, Research Triangle Park uh, in North Carolina, the Raleigh-Durham area. So have you been in software development a long time then? Uh, It has been a while, uh, 13 or so years, I think. Well, that just impresses the hound of me because I'm excited when I can turn my computer on correctly. Uh, so, uh, As I, are the rest of us. <laughs> we're, we're excited when you can turn your computer <laughs> <Yeah>. on, Lynn. <laughs> you know, I'm not one of those really smart software nerdy people. I am the, the person who does. It's kind of a project management role. So I am okay. surrounded by some very smart people who make me look good. And I just make sure we keep things on track and get things done. I will say you are a smart person when it comes to writing Bible studies because you have provided us a great resource with this six-week study of Elijah. Thank you. Well, we appreciate you and looking forward to your insights as we share on this podcast um, about Elijah living outside the comfort zone. This is the fourth session and we're going to, the, the title is Serve with Loyalty. And so we're going to look at an incident in the life of Elijah that is probably one of the things that he is most known for. Uh, the reason he, this is the reason that people would say that Elijah is the goat. He is the greatest of all. <laughs> time of all of the prophets. So one of the things that helps us to see that is an, is an incident in the life of Jesus. Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration, he is praying and he's brought Peter and John and James along. And suddenly his appearance changed and his clothes became white. And Luke 9 tells us that suddenly two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah. Moses representing the law, Elijah representing the prophets. So he is known as the greatest of the prophets. He's the poster child of prophets. You're right. That's exactly right. (laughs) And what what we're going to see today is a story in his life that is the reason why uh, he, he is considered that. Well, let's just jump into the story then. This is in 1 Kings chapter 18. I want to just pick up in verse 20. Ahab summoned all the Israelites and gathered the prophets at Mount Carmel. Then Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. (laughs) But the people didn't answer him a word. Now, here's this call for us. Don't waver in our loyalty. Choose one or choose the other. So before we get into that, I want to remind you that when we were introduced to Elijah a few weeks ago, 
in First uh, Kings chapter 17, uh, we, he's introduced and he comes on the scene and he says to Ahab and to all the people, it is not going to rain. There will be no dew on the ground until I say so. And then he walked away. And so now he's come back in First uh, Kings 18 verses one and two. And God has told Elijah, I'm going to send rain. Present yourself to Ahab. So the lead up to what Lynn read just a moment ago is Elijah making preparation uh, to go and to stand in the presence of the king, to stand in the presence of Ahab. Ahab doesn't like him. People don't want uh, them to be in the same room together. It was difficult uh, to get uh, a meeting where they're together. And uh, Ahab's immediate response when he sees Elijah is, oh, you're the one ruining Israel. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of how the conversation starts uh, before. Uh, uh, right. We see Elijah in action. I think one of the key things here in the passage that we just read is the word waver, uh, which we kind of focused on. But I think that's a really important uh, thing here is the people hadn't completely abandoned God, but they were just waffling back and forth. Right. They wouldn't commit one way or the other. They wanted to have God, but they also wanted to follow Baal. So their loyalty was divided. And uh, and I think that may be an important thing, because people generally that we're going to be teaching are not people who've said, you know, I'm not going to follow God anymore. I'm turning my back on him. But I think a lot of us struggle with divided loyalty. Yes, we do. And as you see in their context, we do know they surely hopefully were aware of the, the commandments, you know, have no other gods before me. Yet there is a still sense of, you know, why can't I worship Baal in addition to Yahweh? You know, Baal's the God of fertility, the God of the crops, the God of the rains. And so, you know, it wouldn't hurt if I threw a prayer to his way. Uh, and so there's this call for this loyalty just to one God. So we, again, we talked about this last time Jenny was on with us. Uh, we'd have to bring this to today to the people that are in our groups. And uh, one of the questions that's asked is, let me, let me give you two parts. Why is it easy for people to waver in their loyalty to God? And then the other question is, what does unwavering loyalty look, to God look like? Yeah, the unwavering loyalty, just there's just some just, it's obvious they love Jesus and Jesus is all that matters to them. I think the unwavering loyalty, it reminds me of a book titled from Eugene Peterson many years ago, um, a, a Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Yes. That it, it, it relates to the idea of endurance and sticking, having a stick to it uh, mentality that when times are good and when times are bad, um, when it seems that God is blessing us and when it seems that he isn't, um, we still we still trust him and we still are faithful to him and worship him. It's not based on circumstances. Um, it's not based on what's going on at the moment, but it's, I believe him, I trust him and I, I'm not going to change my mind on this. I think a lot in our, in our culture too, we tend to silo areas of our life. You know, there's my, 
my Christian silo, there's my work silo. And so that loyalty we have to Jesus on Sundays uh, while we're in that church context uh, is is very I mean, it's a very sincere loyalty, but we don't think to take that with us uh, when we're at home at the workplace wherever it is. And to me, that unwavering loyalty is I don't have multiple silos. There's one silo, mm-hmm. and that's Jesus, and everything else comes into that, and it's Jesus first. Uh, what we're going to see next is the contest uh, and the ground rules that. Uh, uh, Elijah sets up in his um, battle between him and the prophets of Baal. Right. Picks up in verse 22. Then Elijah said to the people, I am the only remaining prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. So let two bulls be given to us. They are to choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. I will prepare the other bull and place it on the wood, but not light the fire. Then you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of the Lord. (laughs) The God who answers with fire, he is God. All the people answered, that's fine. They they, they thought it was a great idea. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, since you are so numerous, choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first. Then call on the name of your God, but don't light the fire. So they took the bull he gave them, prepared it, and called on the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, Baal, answer us. And there was no sound, no one answered. And then they danced around the altar they had made. (laughs) I'm sorry, this just seems like a very humorous picture to me. (sighs) Baal, help, help. Jenny, you pointed out um, the genius of Elijah in setting this up and letting the the prophets of Baal go first. (laughs) Thought that was interesting. Right. Right. Um, and I guess they had all this opportunity, so many of them, and for so long they are pleading with their God to, to send down fire and nothing happens. And then uh, very quickly, God demonstrates that he is the true God. In this section, uh, Jenny, you you quote uh, Timothy Keller in his definition of idolatry. Uh, He said, Mm -hmm. it is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God, anything that you seek, anything you seek to give, anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. Right, right. And I, I think that's true, and I like that, that quote from Timothy Keller. Um, we look for th- satisfaction, happiness, um, purpose, and meaning in things that, uh, that don't fulfill, because only God can give us those things, can completely fill those needs in our lives. And, um, and it's a, a fruitless endeavor to to try to make those things our gods. It will only break our heart, as he says. Yeah. Um, so one of the questions that we ask is, what, what, are some, what, what are some idols and false gods being worshipped by people in our culture? So we, we hit on some of those last time. I don't want to spend any time there, but it's a great question to get the people in our groups to think about um, what 
grabs their hearts, what holds their attention, what have they put in first place in their life other than God? Yeah, and I think one way we can assess that this is where do we put our time and our money, our in our resources. Um, it, it's not just about those things, but those can give us a pretty good metric to measure where our loyalty lies. And if it's unbalanced in the direction of, of things other than God, if he is not first in all these things, uh, then I think we have to ask ourselves why, what's going on. Well, Lynn, tell us how the story ends. Well, I'm, I'm just, I'm, uh, I'm pondering what, what Jenny's been saying there. And I think about those things that, that maybe idols in our life, may, we may not think they are, but when those things are taken away from us, when they're no longer accessible to us, how desperate, how empty do we feel? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm using the example of thinking of recently when power failures, uh, you know, at Christmas here, at Christmas time here in Nashville, there was the Nashville bomb that went off. And of course, I live 45 minutes away from where that bomb exploded. But where the bomb went off, it took out the AT&T substation which did affect me because now I had no access to the internet. And all of a sudden I found out how much I depended on that outside connection. I had no TV and no internet. And um, I, I don't want to say those are, that's a God in my life at all, but how much I learned how dependent I am on those kind of things. And I feel, I felt empty without it. And that's, that, that's kind of a wake up call. Uh, but those, we have these things, that, and they're good things. But oftentimes we look to these things to give us that sense of contentment, a uh, sense of happiness. Uh, when it boils down to, it's just God. And what I see here with these people, and I, I, I laugh at it, it but it's kind of sad. This, these Baal prophets, the desperation by which they're dancing. And now uh, I'm not going to read the passage, but as you kind of look before we get to the third section here, there's where it talks about, they began to cut themselves like to make them. They're so desperate to show Baal, how sincere they are. And of course there is Elijah standing over on the side, as it says there in verse 27 at noon, Elijah mocked them. (laughs) So uh, he, I, I think Elijah was rather enjoying himself in this. So you come to verse 36. At the time of offering the evening sacrifice, the prophet Elijah approached the offer. And this is what he said. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, today let it be known that you are God in Israel, and I am your servant, and that at your word I have done all these things. In other words, he's not taking any credit. He's pointing to God. Verse 37, answer me, Lord, answer me so that the people will know that you, the Lord are God, and you have turned their, they, you have turned their hearts back. Then the Lord's fire fell and consumed the burnt offering, the wood, the stones, and the dust, and it licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw this, they fell face down and said, the Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. What an amazing story. That God acted and responded in this powerful way um, in front of the people he was opposed to. But then all of the people of Israel who had gathered at Mount Carmel as well, I don't think they were probably silent any longer. 
it strikes me based on what you were talking about in the last passage where the people are striving so much to get Baal to respond. It, it reminds me of the striving we do perhaps after the idols in our own lives. And yet when God demonstrates his power, there's no striving on the part of Elijah to make this happen. It is God's power. And what I love about this whole account, it's not, I mean, Elijah's kind of, kind of mocking them what they're doing and uh, he's, he's got confidence, but his confidence is in God. But with all this, it's not just to point out you guys are a bunch of idiots for what you do. That's not the key point. He says there, as he says there, this is verse 37, that you have turned their hearts back. There is a sense of God's doing this because he wants his people back. He cares. He loves for the people. And uh, by doing this, he's not only proving Baal is false, but he is the God who's true and the God who loves them and wants them back. I like that. You know, we talked about I work in the software world and um, we develop software. So brand loyalty is a big thing with us. Um, trying to develop a product that will so thrill and delight our customers that they would never go anywhere else um, for their e-procurement software needs. If you think about the company Apple, then you know that they have people who are avid fans of that product and they will only use Apple products, right? Oh, yeah. Um, And there's the Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. If you taste and see who God is, um, you won't look to other, other gods. You'll see that he is superior, that he is the one and only God. Well said. Well, this is, again, the quintessential story of Elijah and his calling on God to, to bring fire from heaven and God responds in a dramatic way. Uh, you'll, as leaders, you'll want to know how the story ends. So please take the time to read ahead, to see um, some of the things that happened in, in the closing part of, of chapter 18 um, so that you can kind of round out the story for uh, those who are in your group. Um, Thank you for listening. Jenny, thank you for being with us today and sharing. And I'm going to ask you to say a, a couple of things right at the end about application in the live it out kind of section uh, of uh, to help our people uh, know what to do with this content. Um, uh, Lynn's going to take a moment to talk about um, uh, Lifeway resource and give a teaching tip. Uh, we want to thank you guys for listening. And Lynn, I'm going to turn it over to you. Yes, I just, uh, teachers, just uh, make you aware of something. As we're kind of, we're still in the thick of Elijah, but I want you to be looking forward, looking ahead to what's coming up after this, uh, because we're going to have a study called No Doubt, Six Things You Can Know For Sure. For six weeks, we're going to be in the, in the short letter of First John, but we're going to look at these areas that we can know of confidence about our salvation, our relationship with Christ. Uh Areas talking about assurance. So that's why we've titled it No Doubt. I can know this for sure. But we provide a little video, a 60-second video that you can use uh, however you want to use it. It's free uh, just to share with your, your, your group members to tell to motivate them to think about getting involved in this study. If you'll go to 
BibleStudiesForLife.com slash Adult Extra. You'll see there on the page, uh, on any of those pages on Extra, you'll see something that talks about the promo videos. It's there to grab, to download. You can put it on Facebook, your church website. You can put it in messages. You can give it to class members and encourage them, hey, share this with your friends and have them come to Bible study with you. 60-second video, it's free for you to use. So let me just encourage you to do that. And if I can, let me offer you just a very, very practical tip that I found has helped me as I lead groups. If your group, if your the room that you meet in, if it allows you to do this, please do this. Don't sit in rows. Sit in a circle. Put your chairs in a circle. If there are a semicircle, something so that they can see each other. Uh, there's a value because I don't want them to see me just as the teacher and you are all there just sitting to listen. But I found when we sit in a circle, our conversation is richer. We're looking at each other and they're not just looking to me as the facilitator of the discussion. All right. Thank you, Lynn. Appreciate that. Um, we uh, try to take a little bit of time to encourage our leaders and uh, always try to have some tips to help with that. So thank you again, Jenny, thank you for being with us. Uh, Lynn, thank you for the leadership you provide. Most of all, we thank those of you who are listening to this podcast. We do this for you. And Jenny, I told you I was going to give you the last word. So you're up. Uh, thanks. Um, so the, the last thing I just wanted to say, it occurs to me in thinking about how to live this out myself, to think of who are the examples that I have seen of, of loyalty and living out that loyal relationship with God throughout their lives. I think of my parents. I think of my dad, who I, I was mentioning earlier, has pastored uh, for about 60 years. They served faithfully over a, the long haul. And so think of those individuals and then think about how your continued loyalty to God can be an example to encourage someone else who may be struggling. And uh, I, I think that's a good takeaway as we think about how we can apply this is how we've been influenced by others' loyalty and how we might turn that around and do the same for others. Thank you so much. Appreciate your words. Thanks again for writing for Bible Studies for Life. And uh, just can't wait to see what's going to happen as people uh, respond to uh, this, this set of sessions on Elijah. Again, thank you for listening to uh, this podcast of Bible Studies for Life Adult and hope that you'll plan on being with us next week.